have a whole arsenal that I love to utilize. So um, I always make the phone call. I always make the initial phone call. And following up with the phone call, if I'm on the phone with them, I'm always texting them something while I'm on the phone with them. Always texting them an article. And I'll be like, hey, I just sent you an article that you might be interested in. Or I'll email them. Because this way I'm still in contact with them and they're looking at something that they might be interested in while they're talking to me. This is Digital Marketer. Hey everyone, this is Mark DeGrasse, the president of Digital Marketer, and this is the podcast that keeps you up to date on everything you need to know when it comes to digital marketing, from the platforms you be focused on to the kind of tactics and tools that are working today. Today, our guest is Gabriel Vangelados, the founder of Before the Rise, Inc., uh, who regularly doubles the traffic for his customers. But today, we're actually going to be talking about uh, something kind of unique to agency owners and uh, say, you know, just marketers that work as solopreneurs which is follow-up, uh, which is a fantastically uh, you know, lucrative aspect of sales, but it's forgotten by the majority of people. I actually just looked up a couple stats, and it says that uh, 95% of all converted leads are reached by the sixth call attempt. So six times in, you know, that's, that's uh, minimum. Uh, another 44% of salespeople give up after one follow-up attempt, and 92% of salespeople give up after no sales on the fourth call. But uh, Gabriel is going to help inform us why you need to do those extra calls and kind of what it's done for his business. So welcome, Gabriel. Welcome, Mark. Thanks for having me. Well, I think it's been, uh, you know, it's it's such an easy aspect of sales once you kind of understand it. Uh, but initially, nobody thinks that, you know, doing follow-up works or maybe they don't want to be annoying or whatever, but they don't do the work. How did you get over that hump? I think everyone, like from what I've understood is that everyone is afraid of the pressure that they put on someone to make that sale. And I think that's what everyone falls apart is that they don't like to be sold the way they're trying to sell. Oh, that's that's so, a great answer. Yeah. So at the same time, if I'm going into, let's say I want to buy a car and I walk into a car salesman, I see him right away wanting to actually come up to me and make the sale. So initially, like my first reaction is I don't want to be sold. Mm-hmm. So, because you feel like he's going to pressure you. So when it comes time to actually selling your product, you actually feel that same exact emotion. You feel like they're not going to want to buy your product because you don't want to be approached. Mm. So, well, uh, well, I think it's, yeah, again, on that other side of like, now you're the salesperson, but you know, a lot of times it's like, I, I always go back to Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, you know, uh, it doesn't come on the lot lest he wants to buy, <laughs> you know, it's, it's part of the process. So initially people don't understand that only 2% of the sale is actually made on that first contact. Oh, and that, that's huge too. Just the math there. Yeah. People always want to come in for that information. They want information is why they really come in. They want to make the sale. They want to buy your product. They just don't know if they're making the right decision to buy the right product. Mm. So with that said, only 50% of people actually are are on the right product when they come in and they need something. Well, and so and, and I always go back to the stat that, you know, the person who is ready to buy and can buy, you know, or, or, uh, is the perfect, you know, kind of person who would buy from you isn't ready to buy right now. Like 3% of them would be ready right this instant. And so you need to service that other 97% somehow. I always follow the law. If they actually knew what they want to buy, they would have bought it already. Oh, that's good too. When they, they come be shopping. In- yeah, they're shopping around. They want information. They need that information. And you, 
it's your job as a salesperson to offer them that information. Mm. And follow up. <laughs> yeah. Your job is to offer that information and that the follow-up you close them. Because like I said, only 2% of sales are made on the first one. 3% of sales are made in the second contact. It's not until the fifth or the 12th contact that you're actually making 80% of that. Wow. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's huge. Now, how did you get over that? Because you know, you kind of mentioned that you know you don't want to be the salesperson that you don't want to be approached by. So, did you? How did you flip the script? So um, initially, what I used to believe was that um, a complaint is an objection. I used to believe that mm. early. I used to believe that they used to come in there and they were just saying, "I'm just looking," until I realized that's just a reactionary defense response because I react the same way. Mm. I'm not actually just looking. I am looking to buy, but I want more information before I decide to buy. So with that said, I understand that as a complaint. And complaints are different from objections. They're just complaint. It doesn't mean I don't want it. It mm. just means I don't want to be bothered by you right now. Makes sense. So there's different ways to handle that. As a salesperson, it is my job to agree that they're not ready for this. But I'm still going to ask more fact-finding questions to qualify and see if what they're interested in so I could bring them to the right product. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, really, you're just being helpful at that point, you know, yeah. and so is that kind of how you approach it to somebody? If you know that the majority aren't ready to buy right now, you kind of approach it as a learning journey to get them yes. involved. Yes. As in, if, all right, I know, I understand you're not ready to buy, but let me offer you the information. So when you are ready to buy, you understand what you're buying and you're ready for it because hmm. if they, if they don't like what they're buying, and I forced it on them, then three months from now, they're going to be really upset. And that does wonders for your customer service. Oh, that's a, that's a fantastic point. Because I think it's, uh, even if you can get that sale, if the person's not good for the product or you're even kind of coercing them into it, then they're just going to stop. <laughs> and then you're kind of screwing over your, uh, your customer service team. And that is why most people are afraid of the sale because they themselves aren't understanding that you need to be on the right product. Oh. Yeah. That point, yeah. Well, I'm afraid to make sales in the beginning because I didn't know how to push my product and I was just pushing something that I thought would benefit me and not them. Mm. That put them in the wrong product too. If I'm trying to sell my social media marketing package and they need email marketing, then it's not going to work out for me because they don't need what I'm selling them. I just sold them something that doesn't make sense to them. I love that. So it's it's more of a focus on the the lifetime customer value of a customer versus just like making the sale right now for this month. Because it'll cost me more in the long run if I don't actually get them to what they really want and offer that service and super freak that service is what we'd like to call it because that sale is made, then we I call it the winner circle after that. Because once that exchange is made, once you start that service. That's when you really need to deliver on your promise, deliver on that product. No, that makes sense. You know, and really, as a salesperson, you shouldn't be selling anything that you don't believe in in the first place. So start there. And that's why I think sales is really one of the most uh, hated uh, professions out there. Because oh, well, yeah, because you're lying. <laughs> well, you give it the feel that you're lying. But if you really believe in your service, if you really believe in your product, then sales should come as second nature. That completely makes sense. You're not born with the gift, but in time you understand that, hey, what I'm giving you is something that I know I fully believe belongs to you. I fully believe that you will increase your revenue, increase your targets by 
utilizing this product. If I fully believe that, then I'm fully committed to the sale. That makes sense. Well, and it's it makes your whole life easier because I do think if you do have a conflict of something that, you know, a product or service that you don't believe in, that you don't think works, that you I mean, what are you doing then? You're 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 lying to people, you're lying to yourself, and that's a terrible practice to have ever. And it comes back to hit you in the long run too. It is not something that uh I want to be associated with ever. Yeah, that's terrible. That's a. I don't want to just sell someone to make money. I want to sell some product that succeeds for them, that showcases that success. Because that in makes long, sense. It makes me feel better. It makes me look better, and I believe in my product. Yeah, well, and you're, and since you are going to be executing that product for you know hopefully the foreseeable future, then you're going to have all the opportunities to get the the results that you promised them in the first place. And now it's something that you can impact. Whereas if you don't believe in it in the first place. But of course. I mean, how can you care? <laughs> you stop thinking about it, probably. You're not doing follow-ups. You're not calling them. You're not seeing how they are doing, how they're liking their product. It all goes downhill. And then it also affects customer service in the end. Well, I think the, the uh, you know, as a salesperson, when you're trying to sell something that you don't believe in, you don't want them to buy because it makes you feel bad. You know that the customer service team is going to be you know, in trouble. You know that the customer is probably not going to be happy after a certain amount of time. And now you're, and with all these things known, you probably are accidentally doing a bad job with your follow-up just because in the end, you don't want them to buy. Exactly. Now that's a, that, well, that does put, you know, if you are doing sales like that, that puts you in the category with politicians and lawyers, which nobody wants to be one of those. <laughs> That's why we call them liars. They exactly. You don't deliver on. And are they willing to actually say, all right, it wasn't my fault. It was someone else's. Well, even then they won't, uh, you know, have accountability for it. And so that's, uh, that's all bad too. So a lack of genuine, you know, being genuine, lack of uh, honesty, and then it makes the sales process really hard. Hey everyone. I want to quickly interrupt the podcast for a special announcement. If you're listening to this podcast because you want to become a better marketer, then I want to share with you what I believe to be the most comprehensive digital marketing program on the market today. It's called the Digital Marketing Mastery Certification. You'll learn to leverage the tools and channels to predictably and profitably drive awareness, leads, sales, and referrals. Everything you need to know to become a true master of digital marketing. We'll take an in-depth look at the core digital marketing competencies, including content, email, social media, community, digital advertising, data and optimization, and more. After earning your Digital Marketing Strategy Certificate, you'll have the tools to effectively reach your target audience through a full-scope marketing strategy. Get started today at digitalmarketing.com slash strategy cert. All right, so hopefully we convinced everybody that, you know, sell a product that you like and it'll make the follow-up easier. Uh, but how do you actually manage the sale or the follow-up process? Do you have like a, a weekly trip or is it a phone call or what's your what's your method? have a whole arsenal that I love to utilize. So um, I always make the phone call. I always make the initial phone call. And following up with the phone call, if I'm on the phone with them, I'm always texting them something while I'm on the phone with them. Ooh. Always texting them an article. And I'll be like, hey, I just sent you an article that you might be interested in. Or I'll email them because this way I'm still in contact with them. And they're looking at something that they might be interested in while they're talking to me. Love so it. I email them... At least once a week, I'll show a video uh, to them. I'll even send them something uh, like um, the chocolate foot. Mm. That chocolate foot works wonders for me because people enjoy uh, that kind of uh, comedy in their lives. That kind well, of I, like I know, 
I know the chocolate foot, but uh, why don't you explain it to the listeners? So the chocolate foot is a chocolate foot. You can find it online, I guess, if you Google it. And it's just you telling them you're trying to get the foot through their door. Love that. You send it to them. They open it up. They see a big chocolate foot with a sign that says, I'm just trying to get my foot through the door. And 90% of the time, I've gotten positive feedback from that. It's mostly laughing. It's mostly like, all right, let's talk. But 90% of the time, it works. And I if love you're not that. willing to do that, then you know, you're not willing to go the extra mile to get that customer, to showcase that customer that you really want to do business with them. Oh, I, I love that point too, because I think that's uh, that's part of the process is, is showing them like, I want you as a client. Like it's a good thing for me. I think it's going to be a good thing for you. And now you just, you know. I, I also like to show it as I believe that this product will definitely work for you, but my services are definitely what you need. So I'm really pushing for you to get this because like I said, in three months time, if it doesn't work out for them, then I'm stuck with that uh, unsatisfied customer that I don't want him to be unsatisfied. So if I really believe that this service is what they need, if my that product is what they need, then I will go out of my way. I will follow up with them at least until I find that uh, their picture in the obituary. But I'm <laughs> following up with them because I'm not being pushy. An email, a text message, hey, just following up with you, a little video. It goes a long way. People do enjoy that. People do enjoy that connection. Oh yeah, that, that kind of the value in advance, you know, I think is really where you're you're going through the process of showing that you are the person that they should rely on. Your service is going to work because you believe in it enough to send them a chocolate foot in the mail to say, "Hey, this is a good fit." You know, we're going to kick some butt. And that's that's really what people want to hear, even when you're dealing with, uh, say, sales objections, where you're like, okay, yeah, you could focus on battling them against their objections, or you could convince them that you're just a person that's going to do whatever they can to get the job done. And if you just give them a chance, they're going to prove it to you within this time frame, saying the expectation, and then executing on your promises, and now you have a good business. Exactly. Now, if you've seen that, uh, you know, just in terms of like, say, the the person who took, say, four callbacks to sign versus the person who took 10 callbacks to sign, are they different or is it essentially the same person or is one a better client than the other? I wouldn't call one better client than the other, but I would call um, the one that took the four over the 10 is a lot easier in decision making. Like he's That's more helpful. confident that he made the right decision. The one that took it on the 10th for a call is still takes a little bit longer to actually like showcase that they made the right decision but if you keep nurturing them which is another big thing you yeah, constantly nurturing them even after the sale then they come around and that lifetime contract value goes higher no oh, i love that yeah, yeah and it's uh well it's i, I never figured it out <laughs> for me because i'm like man some people were such a pain to sign but as soon as they did they were great clients and then other people were like yeah i'll sign today here's money and those are the worst clients I'll tell you, I love the hardest clients because my competition's not going after them. Oh, that's true too. You're like, it's going after that hard client. So you have an easy path to them. Well, and, and if it's that type of person too, they're probably really thinking about the decisions they make. They're taking so long because they do a ton of research and they're making sure they're making the right decision. And so I could, I could see how that would be, you know, a better client. Plus you might, and for the lifetime value, if they went through this with you, they're definitely going to go through it with the next person. And so uh, that's going to take forever. And in the meantime, you have that, you know, that buffer zone to prove yourself what you're going to do because you 
do digital marketer stuff. Certified partner. Certified partner. That's uh we teach all this stuff in case anybody listening is wondering what we're talking about. It's all, you know, the the do yourself discovery or the double your sales discovery session, uh, the value in advance. Uh, we have a lesson on that. We have uh, you know, all these different concepts that that just give you the ammunition you need to get the get the client in the first place. And then well, we give you the strategy too. You can just follow everything. Exactly. So have you, uh, you know, in terms of that 10 follow-up, do, do you ever stop? I mean, or, or, and how do you manage it all? Do you have, use a CRM? I use a CRM, but the follow-up, I usually have, um, have it planned out by day. Mm. Like if I notice that I, there's someone I haven't contacted, I always go through that contact list. I always go through my power list, I call it. And every no single time list. I said, Hey, I haven't called Noah in a while. Let me, you know, let me see what he's up to. Oh, like, neat. Okay. So, so it's not just an automated approach. You actually kind no, of think no, about no. each person. I like that. Personal, because I know Noah, let's say I know Noah would love this article that I just read. Hey, Noah, I'm just reaching out to you to uh, showcase this article that I read and I thought about you. Mm. Let me know. Ah, I love that. Well, I love the, th- the think about you thing too, because that's, uh, who's I talking? I was talking to somebody today. I'm like, oh man, that's powerful. Oh, no, it was Richard, Richard Linder. <laughs> he was saying, it's like, yeah, you know, uh, if you say like, I was just thinking about you and I needed to call and it starts off the conversation really nice. And at the same time, it's personable. So th- he knows me personally. He knows I'm talking in personal. If it's just another LinkedIn automation, I ignore them completely. I, I know I never met this person. I never spoke to this person and it's just constant follow up. It's automatic. So I'm mm. not going to follow up to an automated message. But I will follow up to someone who's sending me an article about something that they think I would be interested in. Now, do you typically only send text messages when you're kind of doing the initial? Uh, you always call. I call. I voicemail. I leave a text message. I think text messages are just you know, if I wanted to quickly, because I mm-hmm. think they're more, more evasive than anything else. Mm. But uh, they're a great tool for it. But I utilize that a lot less than I utilize my phone calls, a video call, well, a video message. I uh, email. Sometimes if it's a business to business, I could show up to their place and be like, hey, I was just thinking about you. Decided to drop by. Nice. Uh, Now I'm talking by. Well, actually, could you elaborate on the the video message? Because I I heard somebody else talking about it. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is, it's a very easy thing to do, but nobody does it. So there's different ways I do a video message. So most of the time, it's if it's just me personally, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, hey, I was just thinking about you. And uh, I was working on uh, a project here. And I thought I might get your input on that. Or I was reading this article. Now, what you, I want to read this to you. Mm. So I start reading this little article to them. And I'm like, I want your take on this. Love that. I let it go. If I'm in a room with a lot of people and I'm interested in... Uh, Knowing them, I'm like, hey, we're all rooting for you. We all want you to like, you know, come with us quick because we could do this together and we could 10x your goals. And then I start chanting their name and everyone around me starts chanting their name. <laughs> oh, that's good sales right there, too. I mean, I, I love that, you know, giving that. Well, it's the personal attention, uplifting kind of messaging, like, you know, because I think a lot of times people think sales is all just combating the objections. Like, OK, here's how I'm going to fight this out if he launches that at me versus like, no, I want to help you literally because I want, I think you're going to do awesome and I want to be part of that. And so let's work together. Give me a shot. Plus, if you're saying articles and advice and you, you know, you show that they're, they're top of mind for you, then 
who doesn't want to be that? We show them interest because you know you would be great together. That's awesome. Well, and just so everybody knows, we're not talking about pretending any of this stuff either. (laughs) It doesn't work if you're pretending. No, people can see it. People don't like it. And and even though, you know, because I'm a big AI advocate, but even me would say like, no, don't automate everything. Don't take away that personal side of it because that's the only thing we have left. And people are going to yearn for that human to human contact more than ever now because of AI. Yeah. Well, and because of the automated follow-up that everybody else is doing. So I think, you know, if anybody gets anything out of this conversation where you're given so many gems, but you know, the, the personal aspect of it and it's driving your business and hopefully it's driving your business, you know, for years to come. If your whole goal is to maintain these clients, then establishing this relationship for real and going through the work it takes to get that relationship established is completely worth it because it's going to pay off in the long run. Yeah, exactly. Wow, that, that's fantastic. Uh, any any other tips, just like final tips for maybe mistakes when it comes to, to follow-up? Everyone's going to make a mistake eventually. What I do if uh, I run across something that I can't figure out, I write down exactly what I said, exactly what has happened, and I role-play it. I role-play mm. it till I get it down to the point where it's like, all right, I'm not going to make this mistake again. This is how I'm going to react to it, and this is how I'm going to do it. So you're better prepared on the next challenge. The mistakes are always going to happen. Oh, that's a that's a huge tip. Yeah, and if you just had you know you partner with another agency or another marketer and say, hey, I keep on getting they say this and then I say this and then it goes south. <laughs> what happens? That's why digital marketing community actually helps. Digital marketer always someone there to answer the question. No. Love that. Well, and I, I try to chime in when I can too, but you know, even me, cause I, I had an agency and I've, I've done things, but I'm like, I don't know everything. Like I, I make mistakes all the time too. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna happen. The key is to, you need to role play yourself too. Practice. The- yeah. Put in the reps. Exactly. It's like you're going I- to the gym. Uh, exactly. Well, I, I actually, that's, that's kind of how I got into marketing because I, when I had a, it was in the fitness industry and I realized there were such correlations between how you make a workout plan and how you make a marketing plan where it's all about consistency, doing the work, like uh, patience with the results, like all these, you know, progressive, uh, you know, work to increase your, your load, like all these things applied to, uh, applied to uh, marketing all day long. Both do wonders for your mindset also. Both exactly. When you're working out, your mind is at ease. Oh yeah, and that's uh, and that's you know, if you're doing marketing right, it should be at ease too. So, exactly. so there you go. Doesn't mean it's not hard. <laughs> no, that's great. That, that those are fantastic tips. I think uh, you know, maybe what we'll do is because I I really like your approach. I think it's very genuine, very uh, people relationship focused. Um, I'd love to have you back on and kind of talk about you know how you get the prospects in the first place and how do you onboard with the same intention and how do you do all these things. So we'll be talking soon. Of course. So in the meantime, though, where can people learn more about you and what you do? So um, two ways you can get in contact with me. You could go on my website, beforetherising.com. You could shoot me an email either at uh, Gabe at beforetherising.com or Gabriel V at grantcardonedean.com. Or I guess that was it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the way to do it. I'd say LinkedIn, join the digital marketer community. Then you could talk to Gabe all day long. Because uh, you're you're one of our most active people, I gotta say. Like you're, you're a really valuable member of the community. I think it's one of the best communities I've ever been involved with. 
And I that think that's the best. It's a, okay, it's the best I've ever been Dang. involved. You know, Michelle does a great job in keeping it active, keeping it going, keeping it engaged. And we're all there for each other. No, and I think, uh, you know, and, and that activity that you put in and all that effort, just like you do with your sales, it's very evident in the community as well. And we really appreciate it. Well, appreciate you guys. All right. Well, thank you so much, Gabe. Everybody check him out if you're looking for tips on uh, marketing and how to run a genuine uh, relationship-focused agency. I think uh, Gabe does an excellent job with that and really helps us here at Digital Marketer with uh, tips like he provided today so we could keep creating courses and information that everybody can enjoy. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to hit that follow button so you get notified when all of our new episodes are released. Please share this with that friend who's clueless about digital marketing. And don't forget to visit digitalmarketer.com where you can access all of our courses, certifications, and training programs. Thanks again, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Get ready for the two easiest ways for you to generate product photos for your e-commerce store. I'm Lauren Petrullo, founder and CEO of Mongoose Media and Digital Marketer Academy faculty member. I've managed over 50,000 SKUs for over 100 different e-commerce sites, and I cannot tell you the importance of quality product photos. Not only are they important for your website, but they're great to be repurposed in your email marketing campaigns, your paid ad initiatives, and your organic social media content. It's imperative that you have great photos because great photos sell your products and start conversations with your consumers. There are two great solutions when seeking out quality product photos for your e-commerce site. One, UGC. We know that native user-generated content wins all day on social. When you can get your customers to share back their use of your products in their voice, in their personal applications, you will see dividends when that is repurposed in your paid ads and organic social feeds. Secondly, don't have customers or UGC yet? Not a problem. There are cost-effective solutions in which you can outsource that photography. This and so much more is covered in my modules in our e-commerce cert with Digital Marketer.